Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the weekend preview. And we are talking everything UFC 285. It is almost near just one more sleep from when you're watching this. Headlined, of course, by one of the biggest fights we'll see all year. John Jones versus Surreal Gone for the vacant UFC heavyweight title. But Dominic, there's a second title on this card as well that deserves our respect. The queen of women's flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko, takes on one of her more interesting uh, opponents in Alexa Grasso. We're also talking some now former UFC fighters who have signed elsewhere or have left the company. And then just more UFC 285. All this and more... And it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday, the end of a long work week, Dom. How are you feeling? We're here for UFC 285. Lots to go over. So many fights, and we still got a little bit of news. That's the cherry on top. It's going to be a good episode today. Yeah, there, there's no other ifs, ands, or buts. This is going to be a, an absolute huge episode. It is kickstarting an absolutely insane calendar of events coming up in the MMA space. I think I've said that the past three episodes in preparation for this preview. And here we are, Noah. The time is here. How long have we been looking forward to Jones uh, returning to the UFC? This fight in particular, how long have we been looking forward to it and calling for it? We're here. I'm ready to rock. There's not even much time for small talk, but I do just want to know, are you ready for today's action? I'm, I'm glad you put a little for this action at the end, or else I was just thinking DX in my head. But um, <laughs> damn it, I am definitely ready. Uh, I'm excited. This is one of those rare cards. UFC yeah, always it has, is. for the most part, UFC does pretty good pay-per-views. I mean, they, they have the yeah. talent, yeah, you know, the names to do that. But this card feels pretty special, Dom. I mean, yep. I've been hearing a lot of people who have been doing this kind of content longer than we have and have been watching MMA longer than I have talking about how this is one of the best cards we've gotten in a long time. It's and it, I mean that's pretty fair to say because we have what what do we have here? We got five, eight, nine fights on this list. That's out of like what 13 or 14. I mean and you can make a case for every one of these to be at least a fight night co main. Oh yeah, absolutely. The prelim, the four prelims that we're going to talk about blow any fight night we've had in recent memory out of the water yeah. if they were to be a fight night themselves. Yeah. So I guess it's like, you know, there's a give and take, right? Because we get disappointed by some of these fight nights. But then if they can do pay-per-views like this, that's what you're spending your the majority of your money on. Exactly. That's so, well I said. Mean, yeah. yeah. So let's just get straight into it, Dom. This is uh, three Come years Come on. plus in the making. John Jones makes his return in a new division against a new opponent. He is making the charge to heavyweight, and he's looking to take that heavyweight title in his very first fight. It's vacant right now. Francis Ngannou, now the former UFC heavyweight champion, has walked away from the UFC. So John Jones will be taking on the guy that Francis beat in his lone title defense, Surreal Gone, still the number one ranked heavyweight in the world. Coming off an unbelievable show in Paris, where him tied to Ivasa, mm. you know, had a great fight. Banger. 
Surreal Gone definitely looking the better of most of those exchanges, but an awesome fight all around. But Dominic, despite all these factors, John Jones not fighting in three plus years, a new Crazy. division, all this added weight. He looks massive. He's a favorite still. He's minus 165, Surreal Gone with the lone loss in his MMA career, plus 140. I'm curious how, when you look at these odds, do you feel like it's a fair representation of this fight? Or are the question marks that remain on the side of John Jones, even despite his status as an all-time GOAT, is that enough to make you think that Gon's being undervalued here? Oh, boy. I go to the second part of that question. Is Gon being <clears throat> undervalued? You know what I wonder, Noah? Are these odds ever increasing, may I add? If I'm not mistaken, this open is like a pick em, if not even John Jones plus 100 at one point. I think. Pretty close if he wasn't. Now all the way to minus 165. Wouldn't be surprised, people. Come Saturday, especially how weigh-ins go on Friday, he might get to minus 200. I'm just saying. But to the gone odds, I'm not very surprised on Jones being a favorite, though, in general. He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. There's no reason not for him to be a favorite, regardless of weight class. I'm just going to be honest. But these gone odds, and that he continues to become more and more of, an, of a dog, is it because kind of the narrative going around? Have you noticed the narratives kind of being pushed this week? Not being pushed necessarily, but they're coming about. Today, even, for example, on Thursday when we're recording this, you see the picture of Gon's hand. Doesn't look 100%. Now he had surgery. A lot of people saying it may just be scar tissue remaining. Mm. Hopefully it's not injured, obviously. We want these guys at 100%. But then you factor in a lot of people, even John Jones, to a point where I think he's starting to get a little um, triggered by it. Surreal Gon doesn't seem all that uh, worried, very nonchalant. And partially he's usually like this in all of his fights, and I think that's just kind of how he is. He doesn't take it too seriously but at one, what point does that become a detriment to a fighter? And I just watched a video of John Jones before we hopped in the studio. I believe it was from Embedded. Haven't watched him yet this week. Definitely have to. John Jones was watching, watching Surreal Gone on Embedded from a prior episode playing FIFA. And John, I think, is getting low-key annoyed that Gone almost isn't taking this as serious as John wishes he was so it's it's a that's a really weird dynamic going around right now during this fight week and it's not taken away from my interest or intrigue uh I'm, I'm if anything i'm even more excited day by day as we get closer because again as someone that's followed gone from the beginning you know how high i've been and you've been high on gone too since the beginning he's always been this way i've not seen changes in his attitude to make me think oh boy something's kind of <laughs> red flaggy here but if the odds continue to grow to a certain amount where it gets to plus 160, 165, plus 170, maybe some of these fight week vibes are playing a factor, Noah. Interested to hear if you've taken any account or noticed that at all this week. Yeah, that's an interesting assessment because I typically don't watch Embedded, so I don't mm -hmm. really get that kind of stuff. I, I, but it is very note, it might be noteworthy. It, it might be. What I tend to lean to when you brought that up. So real God is like the definition of calm, cool, collective. He has always been. And when you think, if you try to compare him to like an all-time fighter, you know, someone else who went into every fight, calm, cool, collected, 
isn't that literally John Jones? I mean, isn't that literally what he does for every fight? This is a guy that won a world title by beating Shogun Hua at 22 years old. And one of the first strikes he thrown when the bell rang in round one, is again, 22 years old. This is three years younger than, well, I am. Two years right. younger than you are now. Fighting Shogun Hua. And yeah, I believe it was like a, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like a roundhouse kick or something. I mean, it was something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he's literally the definition of that has been his whole career. I mean, so much so that he's, I mean, you look at the comments he made to Daniel Cormier, he, he beat him after a weekend of cocaine, you know, like he, <laughs> right. I mean, he said on Joe Rogan's podcast, he would party like the night before fights and stuff. And a lot, and he did admit like there was a mental aspect to that, where if someone beat him, he wanted to feel like, oh, okay, he only beat me because I wasn't. Like, I remember that. Best. Yeah. I remember. So that. there is a mental aspect there, but ultimately he's always been calm, cool, collected. Hasn't always yep. been focused on the fight itself. And maybe that yep. is actually a good lead into talking about another question with John Jones. It's not just, those massive factors of a three-year layoff and a new division. Dominic, if you just look at where John Jones was when he last fought, I wouldn't say it was the best performances of his career he was coming off of. Very you know, his last truly great performance was against Gustafson in their second fight. Yeah. Sure, he squashed Anthony Smith for the most part, but I wouldn't say it was a stellar performance. Anthony Smith even had a chance to take a DQ win. <laughs> and become yeah. light heavyweight champion. Credit to him for not doing that. Of course. But it was on the table. Yep. Uh, Tiago Santos, who I thought was going to be a future champion by the way he fought Jones, went to a split decision. Tiago fought four and a half rounds of that fight on one leg. Yep. Tore every CL in that right knee or left knee, All whatever of them. it was. Then Dominic Reyes had the performance of his life against John Jones. It ended yep. up being a unanimous decision loss, but that seems to be the one most people think Jones did lose of the, you know, especially for us. Run. And Dominic Reyes, you look at what happened to him after that. And I'm not saying that he wasn't that great of a fighter at that time. I'm just saying that it it's does give you a little sense. bit of pause, you know, yeah, because Dominic Reyes kind of came out of nowhere to put on that performance. And then since then, he has proven to not be able to hold up against some of the top guys at light heavyweight. So yep. there is, that's probably the bigger question to me is have we seen, is the best of John Jones behind him? Mm -hmm. Or yeah. could you attribute it to a lack of motivation? You know, these are unknown challengers, Anthony. Smith, and, and that's what Donald he Bumpers. said for himself. He has yeah, said that. and I, I I believe that. I mean, you look at how he fought like an OSP. Like he dominated that fight, but yep. he didn't look like he really cared that much about. It. And that was a yep. return fight for him. You know, so I don't expect it to. Um, I guess I don't expect that type of performance. I did bet on John Jones money line, and my whole rationale because I love Surreal Gone, but my rationale, Dom, is. If I bet on John Jones and Surreal Gone beats him, becomes the first man to legitimately beat him. Shout out to Matt Hamill, by the way. But <laughs> yep. um, if he became the first man to really do it, right. I can stomach that. I can stomach betting on an undefeated fighter and him losing his first fight in yeah. that bet. Yeah. I cannot I cannot stomach betting against the greatest of all time and him go in there and do what goats do. Yeah, it's bet the favorite or nothing for you in this fight. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, I understand the value for gone. If you're like, we think very highly of gone. It's there. I mean, plus 140, it it's climbing. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get as high as you had predicted earlier this week because it's kind of stuck at 165 for the last couple of days. But there are, you know, a lot of times the, the 24 to 12 hours before a fight, that's when you see a lot of movement. So that way in tomorrow is going to be interesting. Yeah. I think. So, I mean, because there was a, I, I was seeing for a couple of days there, people were like, we haven't seen John Jones' stomach like in months. And then there was that clip on Embedded, I think, where he was like swimming and they're like, oh, he, he big. He, he did. Big. He looks yeah. good though, still. He does. No, he does. I, but it was something that was kind of funny there for a couple of days. Like people were talking about it. Like, what is he going to look like me when he takes his shirt off? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but one thing I thought you might touch on, and I mean, I, you're kind of getting there with what you were setting up for the fight week discussion. What's really given me pause and kind of made me question my own thoughts on the matter is how quickly everybody flipped on Surreal Gone. I mean, it happened yep. with one, I mean, okay, with one fight, but Dominic, when he fought Tied to Ivasa, people weren't talking like this. Now, maybe it's because Tied to Ivasa wasn't the kind of grappling wrestling threat that yeah. john jones was yeah but i swear that Ngannou fight has tarnished i mean yeah. gone to some people to the point where they think this guy has no ability on the ground yeah. at all yeah this is a guy we said dom was setting up to become the most talented heavyweight ever yeah that's big that's big big shoes to fill for sure. And I think it was a pretty big letdown the way that fight with Nganu went for those kind of expectations. So it has me wondering, because I still view him as just elite heavyweight. I looked at it like he went in there expecting to have to dodge a lot of heavy strikes. That's ends up where getting I'm taken at. down. But then I've had people tell me when I when I communicate that thought to them. They've turned around and been like, well, shouldn't you be prepared as a martial artist for everything? And once the All fight got points. there... Yeah, you know, surreal God. People who are more in the know than I am, like I yep. told you, who understand right. jujitsu and grappling more than I do, they were talking about how remedial some of his, um, some of the moves he made in those exchanges were compared to top level grapplers. Oh, then you got Chael Sonnen going on yep. a media storm, yep. really just downplaying surreal God's ability. It's right. all just been a big storm for my head, like making me question my every thought about God and maybe some of that leads to why I'm betting on John Jones, but yeah, I still view him as an elite heavyweight. I don't think a loss here should hurt him as much as it may, especially if John Jones is able to land those takedowns and is able to dominate from top. I think it might lower my expectations for him in that aspect. If it were to happen, even though again, we're talking Francis and Ganu and John Jones, I can't help, but if that happens again, especially if John Jones is on top of you and he's able to dominate or maybe get a submission win or whatever, it is going to make me wonder if he's just a very elite but limited skilled fighter. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing on that narrative. If John Jones comes in and absolutely <laughs> dominates, one-sided beat down, runs through gone, I will succumb. I will change my viewpoint on gone being an elite heavyweight. Oh, like elite I am in no, general. Because, and this is why, because as good as John Jones is, and he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest going into this fight, John, John Jones can easily win. And I'm not going to be surprised if he wins, 
But to me, there's no reason Gon should get ran through in this fight. Okay. My viewpoints of Gon and the standard that I hold him at, even after the Francis fight, is insanely high. So if he gets ran through here, I I will change my opinion. And I still will mm. love Surreal Gon, and I still think he's a great heavyweight, but it, I'll come down. Sure. I'm surprised that you're that going now. that low. And I mean, maybe yeah. this is just the phrasing of it that we're, yeah. you know, a little off on. I would still view him as a elite heavyweight. It's just a matter of, is he the most complete heavyweight we've ever seen? Probably not. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But with all that being said, Dom, I mean, there's so much more we can go into with this fight. Um, I guess I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on, John Jones has really been kind of dismissing Gon's talent. He's another one you can add to that list of people. Have you noticed that every time John Jones has spoke about Cyril Gon, he does it in about, the most John Jones way too. He does, but it's kind of strange because some of the ways he's went about it, he was showing or a video or whatever on his Twitter of the fight with Tiago Santos and he's like when people say surreal Gon's the best kickboxer I've ever fought I feel like they never watched this fight or don't understand how good Tiago Santos is and I'm like okay I mean Tiago Santos is at his time was great he's a great striker but they're a lot different like if you really think about it oh, Don, it's not even I mean, close to the and same for one surreal Gon's bigger so there's a threat a bigger true. threat there but in terms of the way they strike, it is a lot different. Even though Gon's the heavyweight, he's much better with his footwork and yeah, his angles. Yeah. Tiago Santos is pretty much a, a north-south, straightforward, throws a lot of bombs, looping punches. I mean, he does the, the very hard-hitting shots for sure. Yeah. But they're so different. Yes. And it, I understand that John Jones likes to play the mind games and yeah. dismissing your opponent. He's trying to kind of get under surreal Gon's skin for a guy who's so calm, cool, collected. But you have to wonder, like, when you think of the way when you're trying to build a fight, you know, and John Jones, I'm sure, is aware. This, this is one of the bigger stars who never quite got the superstardom, but definitely as a close star. as you can get. Yeah, I mean, he's he's reached five hundred thousand buys on yeah. his pay per views, but never really hit higher than that. I don't believe. Well, shouldn't he be like? Even if he doesn't believe, even if he truly believes Surreal Gone is like this dismissible threat, you know, not really much of a threat at all, shouldn't he be kind of hyping him up a little bit more? Because wouldn't that, shouldn't he be selling to make the, fight? the fight bigger? Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, and I guess, do you believe that he really thinks what he's saying about Surreal Gone? And if you do, is that going to harm him in here if he's really dismissing Surreal Gone, who is, in my opinion, still an elite heavyweight. I think in a way he's kind of treating gone as he did Dominic Reyes. Sort of that viewpoint. It didn't treat him well in the Dominic Reyes fight. I guess no. when you look at the way he kind of slept on Dominic, dismissed Dominic's athletic capabilities, you know, whatever the case may be, the fight was close regardless of who you thought win or loss. And it was one of John's most lackluster performances we've seen. And what has been, I don't know, 15 title fights or something crazy like that. Mm. So, yeah, um, I think that narrative is there for sure. At the end of the day, I think most of it's, I don't think John necessarily is the type of guy that try to 
hype himself up or be like, you know, you got this. This guy's not as good as you. John's elite. I think he knows how good he is. So I don't think he would ever necessarily get to that level. But maybe this is close. And I think he needs to tread lightly. I don't think Surreal Gone is the type of guy to uh, dismiss, regardless of, you know, his fights, how it works with the type of fights that you've had, speaking for John Jones here. So, yeah, I'm not here for that uh, narrative. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I foresee, regardless of the outcome, a a very close fight. And, again, that's why I go back to that narrative of, you know, I know how great John Jones is, but if he runs through gone, whoo, wow, that's saying so much. And maybe, actually, no, there's no maybes. If, if Jones runs through gone here and becomes heavyweight champ, I'll officially put him at number one. It's been hard for anyone wow. to take that spot for me, for mm-hmm. Anderson. It's been hard. And it's not all bias. Anderson can still make the argument, but Jones does this here. It's incredible stuff, and he takes number one for me. He's already number one for you. But it's it's interesting. I, I love the uh, the mindsets here of both guys because they couldn't be more different. Surreal Gon's treating this like any other fight, like as he always does, and John Jones is treating it like a very big deal, as he should as well. I'm completely fine with both ways they're coming into this, and uh, that's what makes me even more excited. Again, day by day, I'm more amped for this fight. Well, truthfully, one last thing, I, I just want to come back on you a little bit or mm-hmm. give my side of what you just said. When you're talking about how both guys, how much different they're viewing this fight, I think it's important to make the distinction. When John Jones is treating this like a special fight, he's looking at it from his own advantage point. Like he's looking at what he benefits from winning this fight. Right, right. At the end of the day, he is dismissing his opponent. Like he is not, he's not viewing this opponent as being anything he hasn't seen before. Yes. And I just am not 100% certain that he should be doing that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. I mean, I mean, do you look at just, even if the real gone really is kind of this flash in the pan, not as good as we thought he was. It's an unknown threat. Cause you're at heavyweight. You have this extra pounds on, you're not going to be as fast in the cage. There's a lot of factors here that we just are unknown. And that is adding yeah. to the excitement for sure. I mean, a hundred percent, but it does concern me as a John Jones better here. It, it concerns me a little bit to see the way he's, even if it is all mind games, maybe it is, maybe I shouldn't be taking it. So literally I think we'll find out Saturday how much he really thinks of surreal gone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And let me ask you this question. I want to ask you this. I've been waiting to ask you this all day. Damn it. Mm. Even at the golf course, it was on my mind. It crept in a couple of times and it's just a fun one. And it could be a two-parter, but this is the main question. John Jones, first time at heavyweight. We've seen pictures of him now. Looks good. He definitely balked up. The guy's legs still have somehow not grown. It's got to, I, I don't understand that, <laughs> all this bodybuilding and stuff, but he looks good. He looks like a really good heavyweight. Over, under, tomorrow morning on that scale, 100, I'm 100. <laughs> over, under, 254 and a half pounds tomorrow on that scale. John Jones. Well, you, you've put a really good line there. That's a per- that's it's around. the perfect, if I could bet it, that's the perfect line. Yeah, it really is. That's man. Yeah. Mm, what am I gonna say here? God, I mean, that's. I hate. I was hoping you'd go in the two forties. No, bro. This is the perfect line to ask. I'll say under, but very slightly. Okay. I'm JT thinking like two fifty even. Yeah. I'm gonna go over for funsies because I think he may be two fifty five. 
256, mm. which if he is, let us not forget, there's very much a, a part here where he could weigh more than Surreal gone tomorrow morning. That's Surreal's crazy. never been at 265. He's been no. in those 250s, low to yeah. mid 250s, if not less. So I'm just intrigued by that. Wanted to ask. Curious to see what other people think, even though there won't have much time to comment by the time they're weighing in. But still, it's fun. Mm. Yeah, we have more to talk about with this card, Don. That was, I think we did that fight justice. And there is another title fight on this card that I think deserves a little more respect. Valentina yes. Shevchenko. Yes. Minus 750, though. It's a big favorite. Taking on the number six ranked Alexa Grasso, who comes in plus 550. Um, really, through the lifetime of this podcast, we've seen Alexa Grasso grow before our eyes. Uh, yep. Pretty Coming sure her, her, first fight, her first fight since we did this podcast was her re-debut or debut. I don't know how at, often at she had fought at 125, but it was her going back to that division. And Dominic, it's the best run of her career. She was sort of middling out. I mean, this is someone... This is before my time, but I didn't realize how high of expectations the UFC had for Alexa Grasso to really turn into something. A lot of that sure. probably due to her Mexican heritage. Uh, there's that picture I've seen now of her and Lorenzo Fertitta, where Fertitta's saying, like, this is the future and stuff. It was a bit Cynthia Calvillo-ish there for a yep. while, Dom, the way yep. Dana did it, where it looked like for a minute there, like, she's never going to really be that fighter you looked at what tatiana suarez did to her and stuff just like ran through her like a knife through butter but at women's flyweight she's been reborn and it's not just the the boxing which we know is very good for her but you look at what she did to joanne wood with the submission like getting a very slick arm bar i believe it was for sure and um she's kind of doing it everywhere so She's coming off of, was it the fight with Vivian Arayuja? Was that her yep. last fight? And that Good was five fight. rounds. Mm-hmm. She won four or five. Arayuja is definitely a step backwards from Valentina, but she showed she could go to full 25 minutes. I mean, that's definitely the right step to take before entering this challenge. But Dominic, mm-hmm. you look at the odds. I'm going to ask you a similar question here. Is this a fair assessment of the fight or is Alexa Grasso a more credible threat in your eyes? No, I don't like this line. I don't like this line. I wouldn't parlay Valentina at these odds. Um, if anything, I'd sprinkle Alexa, truthfully, mm. with these odds. I think if you pair Valentina's most recent performance, which clearly, and again, definitely credit to Taylor Santos. I'm not taking away from Santos. But at the end of the day, there's still something to be said there for the champ, just not being the same champ we've always seen. It's got to be partially part of the narrative of the outcome of that fight. Granted, she won still, which is all that matters at the end of the day. Pair that, though, with Grasso's run in her prime, maybe even just now entering her prime. 125 is clearly the weight class for her. She's won four or five straight fights at this weight class against good competition and progressively better each fight. Because I honestly view, I view Viviani Arrujo as a better fighter than Joanne Wood all, all around. Oh, yeah, I agree. So, um, yeah. I I I would have been okay. Maybe I stomach Valentina at <coughs> a minus three fifty to minus four fifty max. But mm. this is a bit disrespectful, I think, to the talent of Grasso. And this could very much backfire. I know how good Valentina is. She right now, if you're going off of title defenses, is the most dominant champion in the UFC. That's just the way of the matter. Seven title defenses now. It's incredible <coughs> what she's done. It's historic for women's MMA. But I just love this run that Grasso's on. And I'm by no means saying she's going to win. But I think she can very much 
make this fight close. And I think there is a world where maybe, again, the narrative for dominant champions, you even uh, sprinkled it in with John. Maybe we've seen the best of Valentina. Maybe that fight with Taylor started a trend downward. And a trend downward doesn't mean she's going to lose in the next fight, but it means it could come soon, which means Alexa could be the one. That's my take on these odds. What do you think? What do you think of the odds, I should say? Not necessarily my take, even. But um, I mean, I definitely think they're a little inflated, but I, I don't think like a minus 550 is crazy. Mm. And the reason being is the matchup. It's not a knock on Alexa Grasso's talent. But I think this is a bad matchup for. Her. I mean, everybody. Both standing. Valentina is a, Val, a bad matchup for pretty much anybody. Of course. But I don't think that where I view because I one of my big hot takes for the year that I'm kind of standing by is I think Valentina Shevchenko is going to lose her title this year. Yeah. But you would think I might be more into the idea of Grasso as a challenger here. But Valentina still got it. When you talk about oh. on the feet, like she's still oh, yeah. unbelievable. The questions lie if she's able to get taken down. It wasn't just the Taylor Santos fight. Jennifer Maya even had success yeah. taking her down and kind of controlling yeah. position. So that's why I feel more confident in a Taylor Santos or an Aaron Blanchfield when I talk Over. about them. Yeah. Yeah. With Alexa Grasso, I really like her talent. I'd be curious to see how she competes with some of those ladies I just mentioned. Manon Fior is a future fight I'd love to see. And I think she could still be in the title mix for years to come. But I think this is just a bad matchup for her. That's really yeah. what it boils down to. Um, and to me, Dom, it doesn't just take Alexa Grasso winning this fight for me to go, well, that that Taylor Santos fight was more than just a one-off performance. You know, Valentina slipped a little bit. Even if, if, if Alexa Grasso keeps this thing remotely close at all, I would still kind of view that as like a step in a in a different direction. I mean, because not all of Valentina's fights have been great because she's just so dominant. Yeah. But you look at the way she's ran through so many of her opponents. I mean, she her only close fights in her title run was Taylor Santos. And I believe when she won the belt from Ioana, that was a decently close fight. Yeah, hell. But she fight. still clearly won. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, Liz it's Carmouche been. was a very lopsided decision. Yeah. You look at Lauren Murphy, Jessica Andrade, Jennifer Maya wasn't really close outside of that one round where Chukagian. she had success. Chukagian. I mean, all these gals have stepped up and have really <laughs> struck out completely. Yep. And I mean, you're talking about people like Jessica Andrade, who, and even Caitlin Chukagian, who I think could potentially be better than Alexa Grasso right now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I definitely think she deserves a little more credit as a challenger. I don't think this is to the level of Jennifer Maya or Jessica I or Lauren Murphy as a title challenger. I don't think this is some helpless, uh, well, funny I'm about to say helpless puppy when Valentina Shevchenko called Aaron Blanchfield a uh, yapping puppy this week. Oh, so, really? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So interesting that I'm using that analogy, but I don't think Alexa Grasso is some helpless little puppy here who's being put out the slaughter. She sure. might get beat. It might be pretty thorough. It might be bad, but I think that this is a more credible challenger to Valentina and a win would give me a lot of credit. I would give a lot of credit to Valentina with a win here, 
versus like the names like Lauren Murphy, Jessica I, yeah, you know, Jennifer I Maya. Like so I, I I think she might I worry that a Grosso might be just below like a Chukagian or Jessica Andrade. And that's why I could see this being kind of, you know, a, a beat down in a lot of ways. But I still would value that beat down. It wouldn't really put take away from what I think of Grosso. It would actually just improve what I currently value Shevchenko as. So I don't think a lot of people are giving this fight that credit. That no, I don't I think, think so. Shevchenko with the win, it's just another notch in the belt. It's another number yeah. to the title defenses. It gets her closer to like all time status as a woman's fighter. Yeah. I don't think they really view Grasso. They don't take away a lot of positives from a Grasso win. I do. Yeah. No, I'm 100% absolutely in that boat for you. And I think it's just because we, the respect we have for Grasso as a fighter, I got to say, and it's just because to keep your narrative going throughout the year, because it's, you know, it has been started here you've you've rung off two of the four ladders on the mexican mma takeover yeah, for 2023 alexa grasso could be that third step i mean we saw brandon moreno become the champ again we saw yair become the interim champ alexa grasso not only has a chance to become another mexican champion but pull off an absolutely massive upset at the same time dethrone a long reigning champion i saw big marcel <laughs> one of the best there is on twitter posted a picture if Valentina wins this fight, she completes the rubies for one half of the belt. I don't know. There's not been many that get a ton of mm -hmm. rubies on that belt. So she would be the first to do that. I think this is a really good fight. Again, I could see Shevchenko having her way, looking a bit more like that Shevchenko of old. But I'm here for Alexa, man. I, I It's possible. I, and I just hope the best for her. I'm so glad she's getting this opportunity. I feel mm -hmm. like... All things considered, assuming Manon Fior is injured, which I would have to imagine is the case, she does deserve this title fight over everyone else besides her right now. Let's see if she can grab the bull by the horns and take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very well said. And I think we'll just move on from there. So we got more to talk about with UFC 285, but let's get into a little bit of news, Dominic. I had a hard time thinking of a headline for this one. So if you watched the... Have you ever watched the Pardon the Interruption? I have. ESPN? I've had my fair yeah, share. You know their little segment, Happy Trails. You know uh -huh, that's that's uh -huh. where I, that's what I thought of. So ultimately, what we're talking about here is a few fighters who are now former UFC fighters have left the company. Uh, I think the biggest one is uh, Darren Till. Um, yeah, yeah. This all started with one of those tweets from the UFC Roster Watch page, which. That guy breaks more news than anybody. They're in the on business. top of it, huh? Yeah. Well, he yeah. has some. He has to have some sort of algorithm that automatically, because it's not like he's checking. I don't. I'm not smart enough to know what goes into that. But he's obviously not just checking his pages daily, like looking name by name. I mean, the, the roster page Dom has over what 500, 600 fighters on it. Yeah, he's got to have some sort of algorithm and. Maybe even a few ends in the end. He's somehow too. connected into the website because he's got to be getting this. As soon as the the website updates, it populates this algorithm to spit out these tweets. Yeah, but he's breaking more news than anybody in the he's, business because yeah. nobody would know that Darren Till was gone unless Darren Till posted his tweet. Because if you took away that initial UFC roster watch tweet, because nobody's checking that page like that. Yep. So yep. Darren Till has. It was announced he was leave, he was uh, released or he was off the you know that roster page. Well, then he came out with a tweet and I saw, said, "Hey, yeah. all love to Dana and Hunter. We're still boys, but 
he actually requested the release. Yeah. So he said he had some yeah. things he needed to figure out, and then he's going to come back better than ever. So um, it's been a tough run for Darren Till. I think he's uh, only won one fight out of his last six. Five or six, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, this was a guy who it was really just thrusted into the top. He fought Tyron Woodley for a title at UFC 228. It's just that ever since that fight, it's just not been great for him. You know, he he was the start of what ha- – he was sort of the the stepping stone for like a Jorge Masvidal when they headlined a card, and that started that year of Masvidal where he uh-huh. really made a name for himself. He came back and had a win against Kelvin Gastelum where I thought he looked pretty good. But he did admit afterwards his thoughts of that fight of like not even wanting to fight, not wanting to walk out, wanting to mm-hmm. quit, which I thought was very – Interesting. I thought it was really nice to see that kind of honesty, but it definitely made you wonder, like, you know, maybe this guy has some, you know, problems that he needs to work out. And then you follow that up with losses to like Robert Whitaker, good fight. Um, Derek Brunson, the last two have been the tough ones. The Derek Brunson and Drickus Duplessis, um, he, his, his physique didn't look the same. Um, he looked uninspired. I believe he went into the Derek Brunson fight with a torn ACL. Yeah. And then he potentially tore his ACL or at least fucked up his ACL in the Drickus 2 plus E fight. So, I mean, the injury is stacked up. It's just been a laundry list for the guy. And I do feel for him because I really like Darren Till. I like his personality. I like what he brings to the sport. I think he's a fun fighter to watch. And up until that Derek Brunson loss, I really still thought this guy has a, you know, you got to wait to see. Like, I still thought he had that potential. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy how just a year after I thought he had that potential, he's gone for now. So I guess, Dominic, your thoughts on the matter and maybe what do you think? I mean, it's not really fair for us to speculate on what he has going on, but it did seem to speak a lot to the idea that maybe this isn't the end for him with the UFC. So I guess, do you foresee him coming back, or do you think maybe he goes and does something like, I'm going to throw their name out there, we'll be talking about him, I mean, maybe a bare knuckle, I mean, what, something like that. I mean, what do you think is kind of in his future? I think we see him back. I think he's still a guy that, at least age-wise, is in his prime. Now, physically, though, I, I don't know if I can make that same case, but I think we see him back. I think he's a guy that, Maybe just has some shit to get through, man. Everybody goes through some shit. I hope the best for him. It was definitely a shock, though, when you first sent the tweet before hearing from Darren. I was like, wow, you know, that's crazy. Darren Till, no, not long, bleh, no longer in the UFC anymore. But I think we see him back. I don't think this is the last of him. And I think he still does have, you know, he definitely has to prove it, of course. But I think there's still something there with Darren. It may not be a title holder. It may not even be a title challenger. But I think he's got good fights left in the tank. Mm. I think he's got enough talent left in the tank to get a couple good wins. He's a very elite striker, by the way, when it stays on the feet. So uh, I think we see him again for sure. Um, I've And I don't think he goes elsewhere, not bare knuckle. And I definitely don't think he goes to like PFL, Bellator. I think he does his thing, comes back maybe in 2024 with a little bit of a comeback fight. We'll see what it could be by that time. But Well... Yeah. Everything you're saying makes sense. But let me ask you a question that maybe you haven't considered here. Mm-hmm. All this would be good reason. I mean, he has good reason to take some time off. You know, he 
And again, I don't know what he's got going on that he needs to work out. My question is, why is the answer to that to be released from your UFC contract? Good point. Good point. Maybe we do see him do something. Maybe he wanted out of that contract to do something. That's a very good point that I haven't considered. And if he's going to do something, there's really only a couple options because I don't think he's going to be leaving the UFC to go do more MMA. I mean, Dominic, we're talking about boxing or bare knuckle. You laughed off the bare knuckle uh, thing, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we're about to talk about former UFC champions signing with bare knuckle. Like, And, I mean, he has the history with Mike Perry, let's not forget. So, I mean, I'm just saying they may have a spa, you know. There until ringside at the fight we're about to talk about it takes on the winner it might happen i'm I'm not thinking that's out of the realm of possibility i know dom you like to be one of the you're you're the john mccain now you know the way john mccain was about mma now you you know you want to piss and shit all over bare knuckle but dominic they i mean i do think that's a legit option here the guy has not won a fight a meaningful fight since 2018 yeah so it's it's um I just like all this is good reason to walk away to injuries, needing time off. You know, does he need to work out stuff in his personal life? All that good reason to take time off. None of it adds up to why he's asking to be released from his contract. Unless yeah. this is something I, again, I don't know how these contracts work. I'm just speculating here. So maybe he wasn't planning to accept the fight for a while. And maybe if, he continued the decline fights because you know Dana always says we have to offer three guys three year. fights a year. Maybe eventually he would have been released anyways. I don't know, but he's technically a free man now. But it, I, I could really, I could see him coming right back. I would just be confused as to why he why release? got released just, in the first place. You yeah, know? just because if he signs show. back, he's not going to get the money he was probably getting paid. Yeah, that's valid. Valid. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm glad to see you coming around, elitist pig. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the other thing we're going to talk about is bare knuckle. This is the Dominic. thing you've looked forward to most out of this whole damn show. <laughs> I know it true. is. That is not true. Dominic hates the fact that I am at least stomaching bare knuckle. Like, God forbid. By the I mean, end of the, the winter months, when spring officially starts mid-March, you're going to have a bare knuckle shirt, I'm convinced, at this rate. I have looked. <laughs> You've looked for more than just a bare knuckle shirt, but I'll leave that <laughs> off record. I mean, let's be clear about one thing. Dominic's going to give me all this shit for bare knuckle, and he's going to laugh in my face whenever I try to talk about Alan Belcher winning a title or whatever because he's an elitist fuck. But you wait. When season two of Slap Fight starts next year for – TBS, Dominic's going to be tuning in every week and he's going to no. be like, hey, Noah, you know, I thought maybe we should add Slap Fight to the script for this year. <laughs> no, you know, kind of like never. we do with Contender Series. No. Dominic Dominic loves his UFC, man. Anything, whenever the UFC does something or Dana White does something, I think Dominic's like, mm, give me all that. So, mm. 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 <laughs> uh, so fair enough. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that we were able to get that out. But Bare Knuckle has announced that they are signing multiple former UFC champions. And I do think it's worth talking about for that reason. We like to talk about where these guys go. Oh, no, uh, this is super notable. Um, or wherever. So they announced the signings of Luke Rockhold and Eddie Alvarez, two of the 
uh, bigger free agents right now, but two guys who I don't think a lot of people really were considering what their next step was. Yeah. And they've been announced for, to headline an upcoming card for Bare Knuckle April 29th. I don't know what the numbered event it is, but uh, Luke Rockle will be competing in the main event against Mike Perry. Then Eddie Alvarez taking on Chad Mendez. There's four former UFC title challengers or champions or Mike Perry. So, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, April 29th, but Mike Perry might be the best of all four of these guys when it comes to bare knuckle. I mean, is there a more bare knuckle type? He beat Michael Venom Page at bare knuckles. So, he did. He did. Um, so, I, I'm not saying as a slight to him, but I, I did have to make the distinction. But, anyways, Dominic, this is a pretty big announcement for bare knuckle, I think. Um, you know, having multiple former, even look, Luke Rockhold, Eddie Alvarez are their best years behind them. Yes. But as much as I have a hard time stomaching some of these UFC veterans that just hold on too long, we just saw it with bare knuckle. Diego Sanchez was high up on their knuckle mania that happened a couple weeks ago. That one was kind of hard, you know, mm. to watch. You look at like when Nick Diaz came back against Robbie, like, you know, some of these guys, you're just like, I don't really want to see it anymore. Uh, I do accept the fact that a lot of these guys are just going to keep fighting. You know, Marlon Rice signed with PFL, Tiago Santos signed with the PFL. You have the Jorge Masvidal boxing card coming up at the beginning of April. That's got all the, even Jacare Souza's boxing. Like what? Yeah. what the hell's going on there? Yeah. So I kind of just accept the fact that once the MMA career is over, a lot of these guys are going to look for other ways to continue making money fighting. I don't hate the signings at all. I actually think it's pretty big for them. And I do think if these guys aren't going to do MMA, I don't think it's a bad step. Considering a lot of the UFC, uh, former UFC talent that Bare Knuckles brought in, you know, Alan Belcher just won a heavyweight title for them. There's no reason to think that guys like Luke Rockhold and Eddie Alvarez can't compete at a high level for them, right? Yeah, no, I I, I do like it from them, especially for them uh, financially. Luke Rockhold even came out. Not only is he going to get the bag, but he only had to fight a one fight, sign a one yeah. fight deal. He didn't have mm -hmm. to commit to anything long term. Would imagine it's the same for Eddie. I didn't hear Eddie's interview, but you know what though, Mike Perry. One and oh, two and oh in BKFC. I yeah, I think he's at least two and oh. Chad Mendez, one and oh. I think he only fought once in BKFC, <laughs> yeah. but I think he won. I'm a new, I'm a new yeah. <laughs> I'm a novice right, bare right, knuckle fan. Right. So, um, I very much see a world where both these guys that have been there could definitely win these fights. Chad never necessarily been a lightweight, so curious to see the sizing. Will they fight it like? I don't even know the weight class. Well, I think he I, well, I think he was fighting at lightweight for his debut. Okay. So Eddie, then that makes sense. Perry and Luke have always been about the same size. I worry more for Luke because yeah. the guy's chin hasn't been the greatest. Hey, it recovered and took some shit from Paulo Costa. I'll give him credit there. But man, he he looked weird toward the end of that fight. Yeah, like, that was a weird ass look, fight. He did, that's that one was. of the weirdest fights in UFC history. Maybe MMA history. Really, actually. It really is. Yeah, that's <laughs> goofy <laughs> shit. But uh Mike Perry, he hits fucking hard, and there ain't no gloves. Dude, here. I'm serious when I say I think he's the he might be the 
the only guy of all four of these who can maybe be a champion for bare knuckle. Like he's, no, like I for sure. I would. He's about that. that life. Like he is yeah. a bare knuckle guy through and through. He really is. So we'll see. Maybe just maybe, I tune in. Does that make well, you happy? Okay, you say that, but I don't think you know the cherry on top of this announcement. You're gonna ruin it, aren't you? For it, I, it is gonna be on paper. Okay. Oh well, yeah, I figured that. I figured that. That's fine. Oh really? So you no, said yeah. okay? It's fifty fifty dollar pay per view. Who? Well, <laughs> so that was gonna well, be my. That yeah. was gonna be a question. Okay. You know, well, was like. I mean, because they said they had to do it in order to make these signings work because they're paying a lot of money to these guys. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure. So, truthfully, I'm probably still going to watch it. Am I going to pay for it? Maybe we'll get together. <laughs> Maybe we'll get together. Listen, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back in Ohio. The fellas come up. We split the cost. We golf. We watch BKFC. Maybe that'll be my debut BKFC. Maybe. I don't hate it. I, I'm actually curious because that's at the I said it was the 29th. I'd be curious. I wonder what you at there probably is a UFC card that day, I imagine, or I'll find something that weekend. There might be a Bellator, there could be PFL might be going on. I don't know. So it's the 29th? Yeah. There is a UFC event. Do we have a headliner for it yet? Uh let's just say they don't have much for it right now. Doesn't look like a headliner. <laughs> Um, but right now the main card featured main fight featured is uh Kayo Baraljo and Michael Oleksi check. Okay. But again, I mean, that's a good fight. It's yeah, a good fight. Yeah. yeah not going to be the main event. It's Bellator. So I think that's like the first fight night. They don't really have like Bellator's the week before in Hawaii. Damn. Oh man. That's okay. You know, Dom, what you guys could do much like what I was talking to you about off recording, you guys could come up mm. We could watch BKFC. Then you guys could stay the yeah. week and be there for the one debut in America. So just stay the week in okay in yeah. Ohio. Well, that's better than going to Colorado for a week, I guess. Maybe. Or maybe, or maybe we do a little half and half. Maybe you come up that weekend, and then I go back home ah. the following weekend for the one debut. In okay. America, so. Okay, we could be working yeah. with something here. Yeah, okay. we we got. So you guys just saw that in real time. <laughs> yeah, they did. Plans. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, regardless, fifty dollars. You know, I complained when the PFL did this. I don't know if this is going to work financially for bare knuckle. I don't love the idea of it being fifty dollars. I feel like if you're going to make that step into pay per view, you got to be a little more reasonable with your pricing. But I mean, I will admit, I respect one thing I do respect about I forget his name, but the president of Bare Knuckle, at least from what I've seen, I'm very new to this, uh, you know, side of the sport, whatever. Whenever he's on Ariel's show, he is very honest about at least it appears to be very honest, both good and bad. Like Ariel asked him about Francis and Ganu, and he straight up said, We are not in a place to be paying Francis and Ganu the money he wants. No, I respect that. No, I've, that's the I've, first, I've seen that's the, the first called. promoter I've seen been like, yeah, yeah, he is not in our price range. Like we don't have that kind of money. And everybody else is like, yeah, we have ongoing discussions. Blah blah. But he did they, say he has yeah. discussions with Nate Diaz, which okay. he even admitted he's like, with Nate Diaz's scar tissue, maybe that's not something that would be good for him. But, but okay, may not like the product much. 
but I re- maybe I'm growing to respect the uh, president at least. I've seen him talk a few times, and he does seem very knowledgeable, business savvy, so on yeah. and so forth. So we'll see yeah, what I mean, comes. I definitely, of it. I definitely hope they stop doing some some of their matchmaking. I think still needs. Oh, work. it's bullshit. Like, I mean, we yeah. we talk about that. We we talked about it on the show. I think that fighter that died who yeah was in a complete mismatch and yeah. I just hope like. And Diego Sanchez was fighting a boxer or like a former yeah. boxer, like you know, just Austin Trout, I think was his name. Like, there's some things that need work for sure. Um, but I'm at least come, I'm I've definitely come a, around hard on it. I'm pretty sure the first time we talked about it, like me and you were in the same spot. We were like, this is just yeah. a step too far. Maybe I think what's made me stomach it, truthfully, and I we're talking about this way longer than I thought we would. We are, but what's really I think what's made it easier to stomach Dom is slap fight coming out. You know what? Wow. That's, I didn't uh, think about it. I think subconsciously my distaste for the slap fight has made <clears> me be like, well, bare knuckles not that bad. At least it's still a form of boxing or MMA, you know. Well, when we first talked about slap, the one and only time, even saying it here is more than what I even want to give it credit for. I think I even said, well, fuck, at least bare knuckle they can play defense. So <laughs> you're, you know what, man? I, I'd watch bare knuckle pay-per-view. I'd pay money for a bare knuckle pay-per-view before I ever watch slap. Wow. You heard it. And I have ESPN plus. I mean, so yeah, I'll give you that first. I'll give you that for sure. I better see headlines tomorrow on every (laughs) MMA page. Dominic Lee will buy bare knuckle before he watches slap. That's there you go. I'm sure that means you. I hope Dana never hears this. He, you might get put, we might get put in his, uh, his video attacking the media. Did you hear he's he's cooking up a new video? Oh, is he really? Yeah, he said he told Robbie Fox he's cooking up some big old video that's gonna be bigger and better than the last one. So I do I, remember the first one. Or, or, or no, I don't know. I think he said he's doing another one, but it's apparently it's still gonna be about like the COVID MMA stuff, which I'm kind of like, oh, Dana, I love you, buddy, well, but like it's kind of time to move on, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, you made the one video like that was it was. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, even though apparently it took a lot of stuff out of context, but it's like, dude, the COVID stuff's kind of. It's kind of. I mean, we're talking a couple. Yeah, years that's ago three now, years right? ago now. Yeah. So it's like, are we really going back to that? But he did say he's going to make a video like that for Slap mm-hmm. in the future. So if we, if this podcast builds some traction, we may be front and center, our faces in black and white. You know. Yeah. Hey, at least as long as they give credit to the name, you know, people will see it. Come on over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dominic, we do have one fight announcement to talk about before we get back into UFC 285. This one will probably be pretty quick. Yeah. The headliner from last week's card that we were supposed to get, Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann, will now be next weekend. So it will be added back to that. It will be added to the March 11th card. Um, I'm happy about this. I'm glad to see that these guys are going to turn it around quick, especially seeing how emotional Ryan Spann got. You know, talking about all the, you know, because this was really his first or I guess second fight now where he's been taking that camp really serious. And you could just tell that, like, he really wanted to go out there and show something. Mm-hmm. Nikita Krylov's the one that fell ill. Is it, I don't know how much these guys cut to make. Ryan Spann, I imagine. He's that's a big. <laughs> so I'm a little worried about that. I didn't see if this is going to be fought at a catch weight. Or I think they uh, are. Okay. Uh, maybe I, like, I saw like 215, 220. I think okay, that would like be that. smart because I yeah. really don't want to see these two guys like trying no. to make 205 again that quick. No, so I, I'm glad that they're gonna do it. I still think it matters, even if it's at 220 pounds. Let's go. 
there you go. We've already broke down the fight. So if anything, though, credit to him. It makes next week's card even better. That's pu- yeah. Pewter no, I'm happy about that. I mean, this is supposed to be so, it's supposed to be a headliner for last yeah. week. So now that all card next week solid. Right yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, poor JP thought it was on this. Uh, I know. I saw him say that today. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the rest of UFC 285. A lot of fights to get into. Seven more. We'll we'll do some of these individually, and then we'll kind of group a couple of them at the end. Shavkat Rachmanov, Dom, cool. 16-0. I believe he's got eight finishes by every which way you can finish a fight. He is taking on Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal who looks like he has really found his stride in the UFC, putting on one of the best performances, probably the best performance of his career. Oh, for sure. His last fight with Vicente Luque. For sure. Um, but Rachmanov is the guy that has the kind of hype and potential to be a future champion. Um, he's dangerous, obviously. He's he's finished, I believe, every fight in his MMA career. What threat do you see Jeff Neal posing here? Do you think he he is just so below where Shavkat is right now? Or I, I'm not going to say can he, because I think that gives you a little bit of an out here. So my, my question is, will he pose a threat? Will he be able to land big shots, perhaps even take a round in this fight, depending on how long it goes from Shavkat Rachmanov? No, but... It's no slight to Jeff Neal. No, 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 it's not. That's how good Shavkat Rachmanov yeah, is. Yeah, it's that yeah. simple. It, it's that simple. Uh, it's not if, it's when he becomes a UFC champion. Ooh, He's like 16-0, and 0, eight knockouts, eight submissions. Last time I checked, eight plus eight equals 16. It's a, it's just <laughs> I'm glad you've learned how to do math after right, the Right, it took me a while. It, it was Fox and Angela yeah. Hill. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Yeah. Angela Hill is 12 and 8 with 5 KO TKOs. She is 7 and 9 in the UFC. Wait. You heard me, right? Wait, 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 wait. She's had two stints in the UFC. Wait, we already wait, talked about wait, this. No, 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 no. Hold on. <sighs> right in the middle of I was on a roll. <laughs> wait, wait. And you're wait, making me pause. Wait, wait, wait. I don't think you heard what you said. What? She's okay. Angela Hill. Yeah. Her total record overall 12 and 8. 12 and 8. That's 20 fights. Right. Yeah. And you just said she's 7 and 9 in the UFC. Yeah, that's 16. But that's nine losses. That's one more loss than she has in her total. Oh. Well, she's 7 and 8 in the <laughs> UFC then. Whatever. I, I counted wrong, man. I, I heard that and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Something ain't adding up right there. I'm like, you know, I don't think you got this right. And you're just like, yeah, 20 fights. That's 16 fights. That's less than 20. Yeah, I fucking know it's less than 20, Dom. So she's 7 and 8 <laughs> in the UFC. <laughs> oh, shit. But uh, no, I love the fight because I think. It is an opportunity at the end of the day for Jeff Neal to make a fucking big time statement, and it's the rightful next step for Shavkat. So I love it. I, really, I wish it would have been like a fight night headliner, but it's great. It's on a stack pay per view. I'm not going to complain about where it is, but uh, Shavkat's so good on the feet, and that's where Jeff Neal's his best at. I just. I don't see him getting in and causing problems for Shavkat. If Shavkat gets his hands around Jeff Neal and takes him down, 
you know, I'll say we haven't really got to see Jeff Neal get tested much grappling. I feel like a lot of his fights, he does fight stand-up fighters for the most part. Like yeah. he's got good competition, but there's mm-hmm. never been like like let me the, the closest example I can think is when Neil Magny fought him. Um, yeah, Neil Magny did closest. a lot of clinch work up against the fence. I don't know if Neil Magny took him down in that fight, but um I do remember that fight being fought a lot against the fence, clinched up, and Jeff Neal did not particularly look great in that fight. Really, that's the fight that kind of set him into this path he's on now where he just looks like an absolute killer again. So Yeah, and Jeff Neal, the last time Bilal Muhammad's <laughs> lost a fight, so that's you know worth noting for sure. Well, was, okay, I mean, or, or go ahead, finish your thought. I was just saying, you know, it's been four years ago, but still, that that's a that, that the fact that I the mean, fact that the Jeff Neal of old was able to do that, I think, says a lot. But we've seen Bilal get a lot better since then, too. Uh, yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? But I'll I'll be honest. I'm gonna I'll be on your side here. I'm I'd be shocked if Jeff Neal were to pull this off. I'd be yeah, absolutely for sure. Shocked. And again, um, it, it's nothing against Neal. It's no, it's, it, it, it's not. I do think Jeff Neal. I think he's hitting his stride. I think you could potentially say he's in his prime right now. I don't know how old he is, but thirty-two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, really at the tail end of his prime of his career. And I, I think him being in this top 10 range, that's really where his ceiling is. I think he's very good. I think he gives fits to a lot of guys, even ranked ahead of him. But Shavkar Rachmanov has the makings of being just one of the best fighters in the whole sport. Yeah, he's special. He has yet to look even remotely uh, compromised in any way in any of his fights. I mean, Guys that we thought would give him a tough challenge, he's ran through them. Neil Magny being one of those guys. MMA math doesn't really work, but you know, to look at the way Shavkat fought Neil Magny versus the way Jeff Neal did, don't do that because MMA no. math doesn't work. But no. um, I, I did give myself an out betting-wise, though. I took under two and a half rounds for this fight. Uh, it was like a minus 170. I don't know what it's at now, but... Okay. Um, I did that just in case Jeff Neal were to come in here and and because I I do see like if either guy wins this fight I feel like it's a, a finish is happening in some way especially so, for Shavkat yeah I mean especially for Shavkat but Jeff Neal's <laughs> if Jeff Neal's gonna win this fight he's gonna be catching Shavkat like I don't think he's out pointing him here yeah no I would agree I mean look man he caught Vicente Luque with some big ass shots oh he's got I'm, a iron chin. And he wobbled him more than he's I, ever And I will wobbled. say, I know Jeff Neal's always been known for his hands and the power he carries, but I thought the technique in that Luke A fight was like oh, he was he looked improved. incredible. Yeah, the hand speed, everything looked like it had went to another level. Even kicks. It's just yeah, and it's just still not at Shavkat's level. That's just how I view yeah. it right now. That's not like you keep we keep saying it's not a knock on him. It's just this is that fight that's going to send Shavkat into perhaps title contention. What are the in okay? Shavkat's minus four ninety and Jeff Neal plus three ninety. I was just curious what the odds were. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Do you feel like I, I? I will ask you this. I mean, I know we kind of need to move on. Just real quick, Very good. betting odds wise, you said you value Valentina Shevchenko more in that minus three fifty to four fifty range. And, you know, she's like the most dominant champion. You know what I'm about to ask you? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this minus four ninety for Shavkat is warranted? Yeah. Okay. He's, I, yeah. No, I, that's that's yeah. very. That's not a knock on. And maybe it's part telling. of the fight style clash too. I think. Oh, I'm sure it is. Like, I mean, it's just very telling that that's where you're kind of viewing him as being like that big of a favorite. I think that's noteworthy. Yeah, for sure. 
next fight, Matos Gamrod, Jalen Turner. This is a fight, Dominic. You are just stoked. For this oh, one. Not this that I'm is not. The I mean, one. This is the one that Dominic's had his eye on. Gamrod is what is his? What are the odds for him right now? He's uh, he like, what, is minus one seventy or something like that. Minus two fifteen as of earlier oh, today. Okay, and and then Jalen Turner's around a plus one sixty. Uh, he was which plus is now plus one eighty five. Oh wow! Okay, it's yeah. climbing. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I think I might have made a mistake ahead <laughs> of time. But um, <laughs> let me tell you with a weird dynamic I have with this fight, Dom. Please do. When I look at it, I think this betting. I think the line for this fight actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. A lot of people feel Jalen Turner being overlooked, undervalued here because of how dangerous he's been mm-hmm. as of late. Five straight, it might even be more than that, but five straight wins by knockout it's, or by finish. Yep. yep. And I understand you look at Matos Gamrot, he's coming off a loss to Benil Dariush. He arguably should be coming off back-to-back losses. I thought he lost his main event against Armand Sarukian. As did I. So... Hey, valid points. If you if you want to ride who has the momentum right now, I think, and the fact that Gamrot's coming in on short, short notice, notice is yep. definitely, these are all good factors. Yep. I also think Jalen Turner has never fought a grappler to the level of Matos Gamrot. Yeah. And yes, that this is the test, right? Like, yeah, all I know, sure. Jalen Turner's strength and length is going to be in the fact that he hits like a fucking truck is going to give Gamrot too many problems with trying to land those takedowns. But one thing Gamrot's done in pretty much every fight is get the fight to the ground. Yeah. And that's his way to win here. He knows it's his way to win here. So in that way, I really th- I'm pretty confident Gamrot's going to win. Mm. But I also think the best value bet of the weekend is Jalen Turner by finish was I got it at plus 300. It sounds like you can get it at even better odds now. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best value bet of the weekend. A guy with five straight wins by finish, and he's a plus 300 to win by finish. Give me that well, all day. Well, I mean, no, if you just want me to add on to your argument, not only has he won five straight by finish, all 13 of his wins have been by finish. <laughs> the dude, Jalen Turner, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about someone, 13 and five record, that is just so much better than that type of record. It's Jalen Turner. What, yeah. You want someone that is coming into their all just now, 27. It, not even in his prime years yet. He's just now starting to enter in. The guy's putting it together, progressively getting better and better talent. You know when I really thought he took that next step? When he made it look so easy against Euros Medic. When he made yeah. it look that easy, I was like, all right, we're on to something. Then he disposed of Jamie Malarkey with ease. <clears throat> then he absolutely starched Brad Rydell in 45 seconds. Sent Brad Rydell into... Uh, somewhat of a retirement yeah it, it was crazy so Jalen Turner th- you're right though like it, it's a it's a tough fight it's definitely a step up still from Brad Rydell hugely yeah. I would say actually but it seems so perfect at the same time that I never needed to Jalen don't get me wrong Jalen Turner Dan Hooker the original matchup it's it's great I don't need that I need this I need this right here two guys that yeah. are the future of this division Two guys that could be champions in two, three years, maybe less. I love it. I love Jalen Turner in this spot. I don't know if I'll put my money where my mouth is just yet. I got to really do some digging because I want to. Now, that would be crazy. That would be crazy if you're the one who actually kind of favors Jalen Turner to win or at least it, thinks it's like more of a yeah. pick him. Yeah. And I'm pretty confident Gamrot wins, but I end up being the only one to, to bet, bet on Jalen yeah. Turner. 
Yeah. It, it's in, I'll tell, I'll say one other thing and not that this is like a good defense, but if it does get to the ground, Jalen Turner, he's good down there. And I know we've not seen him much defensively down there. So it could be a whole new ball game, mm. but from everything we've seen so far, he has proved to be very good. And on the feet, he's dangerous. He's very long. He's rangy. Gamrot's good on the feet, uh, but I think they both have, I would say for now, Gamrot better on the ground until proven otherwise. Jalen better on the feet until proven otherwise. Guess what? I get to be proved otherwise one way or the other in 48 hours. That's Come on, the beauty Dom. Of you know that you can go a step further. It Clearly, these guys have an advantage over the other in each way. This is a huge styles class. I think it's clear. Gamrod is one of the best grapplers in the entire UFC, let alone is he better than Jalen Turner in grappling. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that's pretty clear. And then one of the biggest knocks on Matos Gamrod's game, Dom, and this is the thing that kind of led me to scoring that main event he had for Armand, was he's really good at gaining position, control, at getting the fight to the ground. Doesn't do a lot of damage. That's nope. kind of the thing. And and you're going up against a guy in Jalen Turner who does nothing but inflict damage. <laughs> yeah. If Gamrot wins this fight, it's likely going to be him overpowering Jalen Turner with the takedowns, or maybe not overpowering, but you get my point. Taking him yeah. down at will, yeah. holding him there, landing a little bit of ground and pound maybe, but ultimately going to a decision win. That means for 15 minutes, he's got to be able to avoid those huge shots from Jalen Turner. I mean, that's a big ask. Can he do it, though? Of course he can. I think he's damn good. For Jalen Turner, my this is going to be a big fight for me and how I see him going forward. Because, Dominic, I think he's over-exceeded my expectations. I thought Euros Medich was going to beat him back in the day. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. And, um Ever since then, I've been I, – I think I still bet, thought he beat Jamie Malarkey and even Brad Rydell because that was just a bad matchup. But um, he's kind of hit the point where I'm like, okay, I mean, we're, we're looking at top 10 territory. Like, he's good. But is he really like – with a win here, again, kind of like the one with Shavkat, yeah. all of a sudden you're talking about the top of the division. Yeah. And yeah. this is lightweight. This isn't, yeah. you know, heavyweight. This isn't light heavyweight. This is yeah. lightweight, the most, if not the second most talented division in the UFC. It's a big, it's just a huge step for, not, Matos Gamrot is a big step up from Brad Rydell, but the bigger step up is the fact that I would be going from valuing Jalen Turner as like a top 10 level talent to a potential title challenger. That's the... There's a leap in expectations with this fight that isn't quite as big of a leap in the competition. Yeah, I love that. that and sense. I'd be remiss. I just want to bring this up quickly because it does play in to a certain extent of how this fight could play out. And this is going to be the way for a lot of Jalen Turner fights, win or lose, moving forward with who he faces because he's so big. No, he's six foot three. <laughs> he's going to be five inches taller, six and a half inch reach advantage. Can he use those tools? to keep the distance away. Can he keep Gamrot from closing that distance? And if he can, if he keeps Gamrot at bay and he's able to land at range with his power, things get interesting. So how is he going to use his size advantage against a very elite talent? That's where I at least wanted to bring that up mm -hmm. so people know it's there. That's all. Yeah.
Well said. Um, I'm going to group the rest of these fights together, but Dominic, feel free to take your time, go one of by course. one if you want to or whatever. Of course. Uh, we got Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett opening the main card. Cody Garbrandt, the former UFC Bantamweight champion, back taking on Trevin Jones. Derek Brunson in one of his last fights of his UFC career, it appears, going up against Drickus Duplessis. Uh, Vivian Arayujo taking on Amanda Hebus. Amanda looking to get her first win at women's flyweight. And then Ian Gary is back taking on Song Kinan, I believe is how you say it. Yeah. So that's five fights right there, Dominic. I want you to give me everything, your thoughts, uh, your your opinions. Where, 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 what are you thinking of the rest of this card? I'll just go quick hit down the list. Maybe it's probably the best way to do it. It may, Yeah, I'll do it that way. Bo Nickel is debuting in the UFC after going 2-0 in the Contender Series. He's 3-0 overall, three finishes. They put him on the main card as a main card opener against a pretty seasoned veteran in Jamie Pickett, regardless of what you think of him as a fighter. I, I do like it as a debut. It makes sense, I guess, master-wise. perfectly. Yeah, for sure. Minus 1,500. Ridiculous. Minus 1,500. I, I, every time a line this wide comes out, I always make this point, Dom. When they found out the PFL Here Challenger Series, yeah. when, when yeah. people discovered the PFL Challenger Series was pre-taped, yeah. there were lines that were not as big as Bo yeah. Nickel is. Meaning, yeah. I love saying this every time, meaning people, the, what Vegas is telling you is there is a greater chance that Bo Nickel wins this fight than a fight that they already knew the outcome to. Yeah. What's that tell you? And really, you can't even get much value for Bo by finish. It's minus 650 to win Great. by finish. Uh, just insane. Uh, yeah. I was trying to find a way, Dom. And Me I'm too. Like, this is Me ridiculous. Too. I'm like, I'm not about to bet Bo Nickel by first round finish and like it, this go to the second round somehow. I'm like, this is, first round finish, I think, was still like barely plus money. I mean, we're, yeah. well, this is yeah. crazy. Uh, and, you know, and I get it. Like, uh, well, no, I get it. I, I get well, it. I get it, too. I mean, Jamie like, Pickett's not not that good. I mean, yeah. he's two and four, I think, in his UFC career. Yeah, I think He so. is a veteran at this point. It took him three tries on the Contender Series. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Uh, when I say that, it's not. I'm not trying to dismiss what he's capable of because he has looked better in his last couple UFC fights. But, I mean, he's going in against an absolute buzzsaw here. What do you make of them putting Bo as a main card opener of a Well, it's very telling. Very yeah. telling. I mean, yeah. I think the the this I, I don't think it's gonna be long before if he keeps looking the way he is and winning the way he's doing. Yes, the steps up in competition are gonna come. But if he continues on this path, Dom, I mean it's gonna be pretty quick before we're talking about this guy fighting for a belt. I mean Well, I mean the UFC sees something big here. They I mean, do. we're talking about a guy who could become a UFC champion and have under eight professional MMA fights. If he's going into his fourth Which now. I guess would make him like, which would be crazy to have Dominic. We could have a title matchup where both guys fighting for the middleweight belt are have under 10 professional MMA belts. Wait, with oh, Alex with, Pajara. With Pajara. Yeah, yeah, true. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, if you put it that way, that gives Bo four fights. Assuming yeah. he starches Jamie, which I'm, I'm not saying will happen, but it's just likely to happen. They could move him quickly. They really could. But I'll tell you what, man. 
for a guy that's known as a fucking NCAA champion, he's down there in American Top Team, and he's all about this life. He seems to be getting better and better and better and is super serious about this, and he talks the talk, not necessarily in a cocky way, but confidence on this guy, the kahunes on this guy. Woo! Oh, I think it's cockiness. I just don't think it's arrogance. I think he's yeah. completely confident, cocky. I mean, he yeah. he talks the talk, but I think <clears throat> the way he is in interviews and the way he handles the media, it's very superstar like. He could be a big one, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we're this is a guy that was a Penn State, like you said, NCAA champion yeah. wrestler. Yeah. I'm sure he's had some media training in his day. So he looks very much equipped to handle the pressure and the steps up in competition are going to come and we'll see how he handles it. But I think those steps up are going to come a lot quicker than what people might be ready for. Cause he's only what two, three and oh, in his professional MMA career or whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, Whew. But um, so there's that one, but yeah, <laughs> Cody back at one thirty-five, sixteen 16 months off, I think is what he said. Mm. Listen, guys, he's kind of opened up this week, and uh, I have a soft spot for Cody. He's an Ohio guy. We've yeah. met the guy twice. We've talked to the guy twice. Love him. He just seems like a good human being, and he's went through some shit. He talked about you know, the divorce and the moving and wanting to co-parent oh, with his I didn't know that. kid. Yeah, that's why he's been off for so long. He said they had the divorce going into the KKF fight. He just wasn't in a good headspace mentally. He's in Vegas full-time. Dewey Cooper and those fellas, Extreme Couture, probably does some work at the PI. And uh, I I like this spot here. I, I, I don't remember whose original opponent was, but Trevin Jones is fine, too. I think Trevin Jones is a solid enough opponent. It's a good opportunity for Trevin, too, to fight by far the biggest name that he's had. But this is a get-right moment for Cody. This is a do-or-die moment for Cody, I think. Yeah. A loss here that may be the end of the road for him in the UFC, but I'd love nothing more than to see this guy, you know, do something again. He he said it in a interview with Mark Raimondi from ESPN I watched today. He said, you know what? And I'm not saying he can get to a title again, but I'm just saying what he said today in terms of his mental state and where he is confidence-wise. He said, it was lightning in a bottle the first time. I went from unranked to beating Dominic Cruz for the Bantamweight Championship of the World. Who's to say I can't have a moment like that again? And it starts here with Trevin Jones. So... I like this spot for Cody. Really curious to see how it looks. I don't think in a fight like this you have to worry about his chin holding up as much as some of the other matchups. We're going to see how much gas is left in Cody Garbrandt's tank in this fight. This uh, this is going to say a lot to me. I think where he is physically, mentally, everything, it's a big one. Did you want to continue on the other three, or do you want? Me oh to... yeah, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> I know. Do, I know. If you want to go back and forth, we can. Or yeah, I can we can. Going. We can do that. I'll, okay. I will just say, obviously, I, I mirror a lot of your thoughts about how much I have a soft spot for Cody Garbrandt. Same things you said. Um, for this fight, I actually love. I, I I want to love the spot, the betting spot here. Cody Garbrandt's like a minus one. What is he? Minus uh, one, 175 third, I saw earlier 175. Today. I want to love that spot because yeah. Trevin Jones has more losses than wins in the UFC. He mm-hmm. carries big power for sure. Trevin Jones has some power on him now. But 
more of a grappling type wrestling type that's uh from what i understand what i've seen that that's what i've seen him do more hmm. cody garvin i want to love him in the spot but it is impossible to love him in any spot because the threat is just there you just don't know if is he gonna see red is he gonna yeah. start yeah. spamming those i mean look at that second tj dillashoff i saw people posting that fucking when he's just I mean, spamming. He is not, he is the square button on his controller broken. He's yeah. just yeah. throwing yeah. those hooks over and over with his chin wide open. But then, I mean, we always talk about the Dominic Cruz performance. Well, Dom, what about even the Hopaella Sunsail performance? I mean, the knockout. Yeah. Very true. Know, that's a little bit more recent in time. Sure, it wasn't the Dominic Cruz fight, but even the first TJ Dillashaw fight, Cody had a great first round. Drop TJ at the end of the round. 10 more seconds, like, it's over. There, it's not just a single fight where, T, right. where Cody has shown a championship caliber fighter or For just sure. a very high level caliber fighter. There have been other fights that have proved that, and I just mentioned them. Even the Pedro Munoz fight was a crazy one back and forth. But again, that's yeah. the problem. It's like he the, he can be very technical. He can use great head movement. He has great hand speed. We've seen it. Case in point, some of these fights I've talked about. Too often he just doesn't do it. I think the move to one twenty five. Obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I never really thought that was going to go that well, and it didn't go well. I think it's smart to go back to one thirty five. I think he should win here if he is going to continue fighting in the UFC. He, he will win, win this fight. Yeah. If he loses, he Dom or Dom, I'm I'm serious. If he loses, I hate to keep bringing it up, but he's going to go to bare knuckle. I mean that's that's what. Oh yeah. Or a PFL or BFL like. That's yeah. the future for Cody. And I'm not saying those, those are bad consolation prizes, but this is a guy who was a former UFC champion who's only 31 years old. Yeah. I heard an interesting point. I think someone mentioned Surreal Gone is older than Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, Surreal's 32. Yeah. So, like, just think about that. Like, and I know I'm, I'm case in point, someone who always talks about fight years. So, well, I mean, listen, you know. if he's 31 now, Noah. He beat arguably the greatest man weight of all time when he was 25 years old. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And he was like ranked number seven in the division. I mean, just yeah. an all time performance. And, yeah. you know, it, it, we're always going to root for the guy. Hopefully yeah, he sure. gets a big win. No offense to Trevin Jones, but no, I mean, no, no. Cody Garbrandt's our guy. Yeah. Uh, Derek Brunson, Drickus. I'll just go first real quick just sure. to change it up a little bit. So, truthfully, Dom. I want to lean Derek Brunson in this fight, if I'm being honest with you. As much as Drickus has looked, Drickus has been the hammer to the nail yeah. uh, recently. But Dominic, there has been something weird about these last couple of fights with Drickus, where he loves his he loves a good old fashioned bull rush. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was that fight? Who was he fighting before? His fight Aaron with fucking Club? Brad Tavares, dude. Yeah. Um, that remember. fight. Oh my! I don't know what the. I really don't know what to think of Drickus, Tom, because he's very much knocking on the door here, like I talked about with other guys today. I mean, we're we're not far from having him fighting a true contender to perhaps or a title eliminator. I mean, that's yeah. We're knocking on that door. A win over Derek Brunson might do that. Derek Brunson has looked so much better over his last few fights than. He even was knocking on the door for his own title challenge. But unfortunately, after looking pretty good early in the fight, he did get knocked out by uh, Jared Cannonier. So 
the problem I'm having is if I didn't know where these guys' motivations lied moving ahead, I would kind of lean Derek Brunson just because Derek Brunson, probably the best wrestler, natural wrestler in the division. Drick is, I'm not sure what his takedown defense rate is. Like, I will admit this pick isn't like super intelligent, I guess, or this lean wouldn't be super uh, based on facts or stats or whatever. It's more of a, a vibes type thing. But Derek Brunson, one of the better wrestlers in the division. Drick is, is so aggressive and so just like kind of just comes in straightforward, like chin open and everything. I could see him getting in one of those heated moments where he's like trying to throw this big onslaught and Derek Brunson just take him down, like, yep. you know, get the double leg. Like, I could see it and that would make me lean his direction. But the problem is, I know too much about where these guys' motivations lie right now. Drickus still moving full steam ahead, looking for a title fight, at least I assume. Derek Brunson, Dom, he has said he has this fight and one more fight left and he's retiring. Yeah. And obviously he's 39. He probably should. But knowing that does prevent me from like putting money on Derek Brunson. Because when you see that when you already are saying where the end of the road is, where you're when you're when you're already kind of calling your retirement early, I don't know if I love it. Like, even if you I mean, I'm sure more guys than we hear about do that. But the fact that he was open about it and kind of spoke about it, it just worries me about what the motivation is going to be to go in here and get a win. Like he's sort of slamming shut the door that he's never going to fight for a title. So like Drickus is clearly a hungry, hungry challenger here who is looking to put his name in the top of the division. Do you get where the there's an imbalance to the motivation? Well, and it's here. almost like, well, what's even the gain then for Derek Brunson in this spot? Honestly, like it's just a payday, it, I guess. Yeah, I guess because he's kind of putting Drickus on a pedestal here. He's giving him a top yeah. five opportunity, and pair that with Drickus's <laughs> finishing capability: seventeen out of eighteen by finish. He's dangerous, man. This guy puts people to sleep. He's great on the ground with submissions. It. I don't know. I could no. I loved your point though about the uh, going in overzealous, getting taken down. I could see that happening, and Derek getting a mauling potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to bet this fight, if I have any specific leans. But if there's one thing I could see happening more clearly than any other paths that this fight may go, it is the one you name there. So I'm actually glad you brought that point up. It's an interesting one. Honestly, it's a huge test I think for Drickus because while Darren Till is a step up from Tavares. Brunson's a really big step up from Darren Till just because of the difference in fight styles between the two. So we'll see how legit Drickus is with this one. Yeah, very true. Uh, we'll go ahead and just combine these last two. Vivian Arujo, Amanda Hivas, Ian Gary, Song Kanan. I know everybody's going to give Ian Gary a lot of shine here, and deservedly so. But Dominic, you know, his last couple performances, while good, I think show that he is still a guy that needs time to get better, to improve. And um, I think this kind of opponent in Song Kanan makes sense. I actually am kind of surprised at how massive of a favorite Ian Gary is because like Song Kanan has some wins in the UFC. Like he is not your run of the mill guy here being thrown to a wolf. I mean, it might end up being that way, but you know, Ian Gary had that great knockout in his first, in his debut, and that was a round I actually thought he was losing to Jordan was. Williams, was it? 
Yep, Jordan Williams. And um, his two fights since then, like Gabe Green, and didn't he have another one that I'm Darian Weeks? Yeah, those two fights, like he looked good, I guess, but like you know, yeah. I think people expected more. Yeah, and I think it just shows maybe he needs a lot of time to improve. It's kind of I'm being a little softer on him though than like what I've done with Patty Pimblett, and that's probably not fair to Patty, but. I think a lot of it's just there's a difference in, I think, expectations right now, a difference in hype. Ian Gary's being hyped for sure, but I think it's cooled off a little bit just because the last couple performances have been good, but, you know, nothing Not special. But, I, I, well, actually, I shouldn't be calling him Ian Gary. It's technically Ian Gary. Uh, his last name's Hyphen now. He took his yeah, life, I know. saw that on Sherdog today. And I forget what it is. Isn't it it's like a Brazilian Machado? Yeah, okay. Ian Gary Machado. I should be calling him by his right name. Um, I think he'll win. My question is, is he going to show us something he hasn't shown us yet? You know, is he gonna have another highlight reel finish? Is he going to dominate this one? You kind of want to see some sort of evolution here to the performances. Is it safe then, to say I almost feel like he has to? I mean, I don't know if he has to because, again, if he wins, he's still undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. But And I do think there's still some hype for him, but it is interesting. Like, clearly, Bo Nick will be on the same card with him as showing where people's allegiance – people's uh, – he he's sort of the new pretty girlfriend. and um, It's the know, meme, right? Gary. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's sort yeah. of – in a way, not that those two are at all like – have any really sim- real similarities outside of the fact that they're very hyped up prospects, but it is interesting to see that there's not a ton of talk about Ian Gary when just a yeah. year ago he was looking like the future of Ireland and stuff. So for sure, um, I, I did find that interesting. I don't necessarily think another perform another like decision that's not a great fight or whatever. I don't know if that really hurts him because again, still full speed ahead. Yeah, or no, take another slight step forward. And go from there. But um Ariujo Hebus, I do think it's a very good fight. Mm-hmm. Um this is a big one for Amanda. Um I know mm-hmm. you're a big Amanda Hebus fan, but and she did have a really good fight with Caitlin Chukakian. That's a very tough debut to have in, in a new division. She did lose a decision there, but it, she made a Caitlin Chukakian fight exciting, which is also another rarity. Yeah. Uh, no offense, Caitlin, if you're watching, but um, if she were to lose this, 0-2 in this new division, I mean, it, it's uh, going to be an interesting, I guess, cross. It's We're at kind of a, what do you call that, crossroads mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's we Like, she's ranked number nine at strawweight. She's literally only lost one fight there, and it was Marina Rodriguez. But yeah. yet we're going back-to-back here at 125. Well, she technically lost twice to Marina Rodriguez. <laughs> You son of a bitch. Yes, you're right. You're <laughs> you looked right. at your screen like, what? She has two losses <laughs> yeah, on her record? I, I literally did. Um, but no, man, I'm high on her. Um, things have cooled down, but she just hasn't been as active, I think, is part of the reason. Mm-hmm. But I think she's really good. She's well-rounded, obviously great on the ground, only 29. Viviani is a really good fighter. She's 36. Man. but she Coming off the main really- event spot. Yeah, very good fight with Alexa Grasso. Like, yes, Grasso won clearly, but it was a good fight. But before that, she beat Andrea Lee. Then she fought Caitlin Jukagian. She's got wins, Roxanne and Montana De La Rosa. I mean, good competition. A lot of the good women there at 125, especially the last three. I do like this fight. This is an 
interesting fight. Lines are close to Amanda's minus 120, Viviani's plus 100. This is tight. This is really close, mm-hmm. stylistically even. I don't really know if anyone has an edge. But a, a win for both says a lot to me. Like if Viviani beats Amanda, I value that as a good win, regardless of if Amanda's a 125 or a 115er. And obviously, if Amanda wins at 125 pounds, being that she's number nine at 115, that says a ton to me. I think Arujo is a very good talent, so beating her is a huge win for anyone that beats her in my eyes. I really do like this one, Noah. It's a fun one. Mm, yeah, agreed. There's more that we could have talked about, but that is all we have time for today. We're two hours into this recording session, so <laughs> um, we're going to wrap things up, Dom, with the only segment we know how little closing statements to point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything MMA related or not. So Dominic, do you have any closing statements to send us off into UFC 285? Today I'm just showing some love. As I kind of mentioned briefly, I was on the links, the golf course before this, doing some more battling for bogey content with our good buddy Jordan. And it was a historic round. It wasn't just any round of golf. He was able to break 100 for his first time ever. So we have now both officially done it. We are now both officially on the road to breaking 90. It's going to be a long road, of course, but it was a long one to break 100. So I'm here for the long haul. But shout out to a fan of the show, a fan of a fan. I meant friend well, of the show. He's technically a friend part of, of the, He's a part of the content. I mean, he yes, is he's a part of the Below Average Joe's network. Very true. When Noah says we're just two, he would be number three, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. So shout out to my boy, JP. He's going to be with us. We're all going to be together this Saturday. It's going to be a bunch of camaraderie, a bunch of brotherhood. Some would say a sausage party, but it's going to be a blast. The vibes are high. What do you got for me today, Noah? I will say uh, shout out to JP. Proud of you for breaking Mm -hmm. 100. Um, I wish I could have seen someone in my life break 100. Unfortunately, the one chance I had, Dominic completely choked it. Um. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Correct. Dominic, you can put the clip up. I'll send it to you. This is not like I can't miss. Okie dokie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just going to give a shout out. I didn't really come prepared with anything. Uh, just some um, other MMA cards you can probably watch this weekend. Uh, Friday at 8 p.m., Cage Warriors, 149 on Fight Pass. Uh, mm. Cage Warriors, a very good promotion, very good regional promotion out there in Europe. And another European promotion, I actually saw Ariel tweet about this today. Uh, Octagon MMA oh. has uh, signed a deal. They are now going to be having their fights air on zone. So zone huh. kind of going back into the MMA game. They were, of course, uh, used to host Bellator. And then that relationship kind of fell off through COVID. Well, Octagon MMA, another really good European promotion. I've never watched the card, full disclosure. But now that they're on DAZN, I can. And that is actually Saturday at 1 p.m. So I'll probably check it out because of that. So okay. I wanted to give a shout out to those. And, of course, 3 p.m. Saturday, BKFC 37s. Uh, Do they have events every week? Uh, they have, I mean... Not quite, but at least quite every other. Yeah, okay. they, they're definitely doing quite a bit. Oh, also, Dom, I've kind of learned, I think, from watching uh, Spin and Backfist. Uh, 
the challenger series pfl challenger series the one that has been we've had such a that's a that's a show that deserves a joey right there i mean talk about the it show really it's just its own more, category gotten so much airtime for yeah. no reason um what i will say about it though is part of the whole um rocky relationship is the fact that it airs on fubo and i somehow mistakenly paid like two hundred dollars for fubo last year when i should have paid like 50 it's a long story but yeah yeah regardless and then you had the whole pre-taped fights they already talked about nah, even yeah. Though, yeah it's yeah. just weird but they they've been back this season a lot more people a lot of, i've heard a little bit more people talking about it 9 p.m on friday and dominic from what i heard on spinning backfist apparently you can watch the fights but you like they'll post a link or whatever through their twitter account so i'm gonna like, be on the lookout for, for that yeah, like apparently you oh. can just like I don't know if they do like a I don't know how they do it, but I, Big Ev was talking about how he goes to their Twitter and they they post a link like at the start of the fights and you can watch them like through their Twitter or something. Okay. So if that's I, the case, I'm gonna tune in this Friday at nine p.m. tomorrow. Okay. And Friday at nine. or yeah, yeah, I guess today when you're watching this. Yeah. And you know, depending, I would love nothing more than to treat PFL Challenger Series like we treat Contender Series. Yeah, I would love to give it that that shine. Give it. Do a you know spot. what I'm actually most excited for with Challenger Series and like the PFL in general? They're slowly building a women's flyweight division. Yeah, we love it so much in yeah. the UFC. Dakota Decheva from the UK. I hope I didn't butcher her last name. She's like really, really good. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of at the forefront of their flyweight division. I know they're doing women's flyweight on Challenger Series. So I would actually tune in to see how they're going to build that division and eventually put it into their uh, tournament style. Just random note. Yeah. So I'm going to be looking for that. I'm not saying maybe it might be too late this year to start adding it to the show. We're on week six of eight, I think, coming mm-hmm. up. So um, maybe that's something for next year. But if that's the case, I am going to check it out. I actually need to go back and watch the previous, like, five weeks i did find Mm. i found some ways to do that i will not uh disclose but okay um i'll also for pfl pfl europe is starting here soon i'm super into that yeah so but this is the thing dom i don't know where we're going to be able to watch it because i believe it's airing on the zone i think the zone in the in europe but i think it's still espn plus in the states are you right i hope you're right i hope so too (laughs) because I want to watch that shit. I think you're not right, but I, I, I want to believe you're right, but I'm worried. It's going to be one of those things that the zone does where it's something that airs in Europe, but Americans like we just get kind of, we're chopped liver. I did not find anything online that told me it's going to be on ESPN plus great, but maybe Dom, maybe we can go to the Twitter. Maybe we can go to the, maybe we can go to the Twitter, but I doubt it because the zone is like 25 bucks a month. And I don't think the zone's going to be cool with that, but You never know. I mean, no. But I want to watch PFL Europe, man. I'm going to be pissed if they're just like, fuck the American fans. Like, what? March 25th, first event. Yeah, so I'm planning to watch that, but I got to find a way. Because I don't think I can watch it on the zone in the States. I think I got to find it. I don't. So maybe you're right, but I think you're wrong. Damn it. I hope I'm right. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, this has been an all-timer episode. That's it. We're out. And we'll see you guys on. Monday.